Welcome to the Tactical's podcast. Today I'm joined by Andy Daniels, CEO at Sharp Gaming. Hi Andy, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So look, I always like to start these things with um, having the, the guests introduce themselves. For anyone who doesn't know who you are, could you run us through it? Yeah, I'm Andy Daniels. I'm the, the CEO of Sharp Gaming, as you, as you said. And um, I guess my, my background is um, I've been running Sharp Gaming. Sharp Gaming is, uh, is today the in-house technology department of the Betfred Group. We've been in business for about, about five, five years now. Um, we were born out of my first business, which was called Degree 53, which was a digital agency. We started building a new platform for the gambling, the global gambling industry and realized we could make a business out of that. So we spun it out and then um, Betfred um, bought, uh, bought us out. Uh, and I guess the connection to Betfred was Fred. I used to work for Fred. He backed me in the first business, Degree 53. Um, and then he, it was, he was funding um, the build of, of what was Sharp Gaming and he realized that it'd be such a differentiator for, for Betfred to have their own technology that he didn't want to go and sell it to anyone else. So he, he, bought, he bought us out and uh, I decided that that would be the right thing for me to do to, to, to uh, continue on that journey. Amazing. Wow. And where are you from? You're Manchester, aren't you? Yeah, from Hermston. Nice. Okay. Wow. Yeah, proper Manchester entrepreneur then. Yeah. So what was your journey from? Because you, you're a techie at heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, what's your journey been to here? Well, I'm, I'm a developer by trade and how I got into that was um, uh, I'm, I'm probably a bit older than I look. And um, back in the sort of late, late mid to late 90s, um, I just got my first computer. And that was in the days of dial-up internet. And you used to get CD-ROMs with like, you know, here's a new ISP and you used to get another, a different email address. And, you know, uh, I used to do my mum's brains in by, you know, using the internet before six o'clock and stuff like that. Um, and one day I got one that said, uh, build your own website. So I thought, you know, I did, did, I'll have a bit of that. So I uh, started building my own website. And at the time, all websites were just like, homepages they were like this is me this is my family this is what I like so it was kind of like pretty much like that and I guess you know I was probably 14 15 at the time and uh, the only passion I had in life at the time was was United so I built a website about Man United and became a bit of a really real interest for me so you know at the time I was doing kind of like going home and away in Europe Europe with United so it was kind of turned into kind of like a bit of a editorial about that and my sort of my life going to um to United and uh I got myself into the Yahoo directory. So this was this was really before Google was a thing. And uh, the Yahoo directory, for, for the people who don't remember it, was very much like the yellow pages of the internet. So it was just like you go into categories and you could see, uh, you, could see you know, football, teams, Man United. And uh, there was probably about 25 websites in the Yahoo directory about United. And I think I was probably only one of two or three, which was actually UK-based because... Back in those times, all websites were American because uh, that's just how, where the internet got started. And um, one day I got a message on my guest book um, saying, we, we really like your website. We're a company based in Manchester. Um, would you come speak to us? And um, my initial thoughts was that's going to be one of my mates taking the, taking the mic, but then realized that it's the, it was the 90s and no one had the internet yet. So um, I, I got speaking to this uh, company and uh, they were the first big digital agency in Manchester and I went in to see him um, and I got the, the bus after school um, and um, made the mistake that I've never lived 
live down of going in my school uniform because I was like, you know, oh, no. at 50, you know, didn't know anything better. Got on the, got on the 15 bus uh, to, to town and, and went to meet um, the company. And I don't know, it was a company called Unite. Uh, there was about 100 people, I think, about the time, I, uh, about this time. I think it, it must have been about 99, I think, this. Maybe 98, maybe 99, I don't, can't remember exactly. And um, got speaking to them. They really liked my website. And what they were doing, they were trying to convince United to, to build a website. So then it was before United had a website. So um, what they had done is to convince them is they'd built um, one of the United fanzines websites. Right. And I... Um, after that, I started working on that that website for them, and then left school at sixteen and went straight to work for them as a developer. So I was I was lucky in a way, um, you know, cause my, you know, at the time my friends were going going into being a you know, one was a, a joiner on an apprenticeship, one was a, a mechanic on an apprenticeship, one of them had joined the Parus, um, you know, and I got this job as a developer in in the city centre. So um, you know, I thought I'd made it at that point, and. Um, Fortunately, we never we didn't win United's website. We did win Liverpool's and Everton's, and had to work on them, which was which was uh, <laughs> soul sort, destroying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that was that was sort of a good grounding, really, in in being that. And then that was, I think when I started working in the summer of two thousand after after finishing school, and that was just during the dot com bubble. Um, and Chris uh, Sheffield, who was the managing director of that business, and um, sold it to M Brown. Um, JD Williams, uh, just based over the road actually, and um, to be their kind of like e commerce division because that was seen to be what the future was. Um, and then, not, not long after the, the dot com bubble burst, and uh, it, you know, um, Chris got out of that at the right time, I think. Um, and then, maybe a year or so later, I bumped into Chris and his, and his wife uh, at Old Trafford, um, and his wife had been. Um, finance director of the previous business, United, or the business where I'd worked. Chris said to me, Chris and all said to me, Andy, do you want a job? I think I was just stood on the corner with a mate who was selling the fanzines. And he, I said, yeah, yeah what, what is it? And, and Chris said to me, um, I've got an idea for a new business. I've been thinking about it. And um, I believe that mobiles are going to be as powerful as computers in, in the next couple of years everyone's going to be doing everything they do on the mobile phones and much uh, sorry on the internet and much much more on the mobile phones and it was a bit like really like you can just about play snake on it at the moment and uh, still had probably 160 characters and text messaging when the internet first took off where was all the money made um and and, and it was porn and gambling and as or his, his wife was going to be finance director we're gonna to have to do a, a mobile gambling business yeah. So um, we set about uh, be, trying to be the first company in the world to do mo mobile gambling. Uh, and we were second by a few weeks, um, which had nothing to do with me delivering anything late, I'm, I can assure you. Chris seems to remember otherwise. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into um, being a developer and, and got into the industry that I've been in ever since really, the, the betting and gaming industry. First of all, Chris Feller, what a visionary. Yeah. My God. Yeah, geez. I don't, know, I don't know how anyone would have that foresight to be like, okay, yeah, this is going to be big. I mean, it, seem, it seems like a bit um, obvious now. Yeah. But um, it, it, was, it was well ahead of its time because, you know, this, we started doing this in 2003. And I guess the, where, where the journey went after that was um, 
Chris wanted to build mobile like casinos on your mobile phone, uh, but just the technology wasn't av- available to do that. And you know, the, I think the best thing you probably got on your phone was probably Snake Two. Like you know, so um, it wasn't really until the sort of mid two thousand. I can't really remember two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. We were able to start building games, um, and then that. Um, I think in then two thousand and eight, we were bought by. We were acquired by. Um, what was one of the largest gambling systems and software supplier in the world um, called IGT. We were based in Nevada. Um, they bought us as their sort of like mobile arm. And um, even then, it was another couple of years till 2010 when mobile really took off. You know, the, the App Store came out in 2009 and the World Cup happened. Certainly from our industry, 2010 was the first time people started betting on the mobile phones during the World Cup. Right. was you know almost 10 years before it actually became the big thing but it you know yeah he was he was a he was a good thinker chris yeah and, and then degree 53 you, you, which obviously had a lot of people in manchester know about um where where did that come from so after after mobile took off um i joined betfred mm-hmm. um, to head up their mobile division i met fred and he, he sort of said that you know got really really successful uh uh, retail and online business and I hear mobile is going to be the next big thing so I want you to come in and sort of um, help us help us deliver on that so I joined that Fred and um, the way we set up was um, not long after I joined um, Betfred bought the tote from the UK government and for those who don't know so the tote was public publicly owned bookmaker that, that ran the sort of monopoly on um, um, pools betting for for horse racing it was actually set up by Winston Churchill in 1928 and um, Fred bought that for for I don't know I think it was something like 260 million off off the government or off, off us in merging those two businesses together um, it, it was obviously quite a, a huge integration job to mer- merge two massive companies together bet Fred and and the tow and, and and they were Quite different businesses culturally. One was a you know a family you know Betfred's a family business, uh, and the Tote was a public sector organisation. So um, merging those two businesses together was a, was a, a big job, and it, I felt that um, trying to kind of launch a whole new product in that kind of um, whilst going through this big integration would be problematic. So um, we came up with the idea to set up a, a development studio. We set up in the Sharp project. And there was six of us, including myself. And the idea was we'd just do the mobile development and we'd feed into the rest of Betfred for different services like for design. Um, UX, I'd never heard the term UX at the time. And, you know, back-end development and testing and um, and, and, and other, other things. And, and having the first business I worked at would be in an agency. The way we sort of geared it up was we, we'd be like an internal agency. So we could get away, with, get away from kind of like um, the kind of like the corporate IT setup, which was going through a big change at the time, and we could just get on with it and deliver, deliver things. And that was the idea. And um, we set up in this office for, there were six of us and there was nine desks. So I thought I had a bit of room for growth. Uh, but, you know, roll on like sort of 10 months later, um, there was like 14 of us sat in that office. It was, it was pretty cosy. But we'd won some awards for innovation in the industry. So, so Fred was happy and he let us move into a, a bigger office in the Sharp Project. So we got an office, I think it was 22 desks in there, and I thought, wow, God, I'm, I'm ever going to fill this. Um, you know, maybe I could get a pool table, but the, the Sharp Project already had pool tables, so we, we didn't go down that road. And um, 
But not long after, Fred's brother has got a very successful uh, business who I'm pretty sure we're looking at. Peninsula. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peninsula. They came to see me and said, look, Andy, we're trying to take some of our products uh, mobile. Could you help us? And kind of like at that point, it sort of light bulb went off and thought, well, I've got this, I've got this team um, in Betfred that's been run like an agency working with, with Betfred as a customer and I could do this for Peninsula and why couldn't I do this for all of Fred's business, business empire? And then obviously it wasn't a big leap after that to think, well, I couldn't just become a business because I've got all these really smart people doing really sort of cutting edge mobile stuff and everyone wants that. Um, and I'm clearly a very, very smart person who, who knows it all. Uh, and, you know, having, having been a developer, I, I could do anything like, because I'm clearly doing the, the, the most complicated thing in the world. So uh, running a business would, is the, would be easy. Um, so I spoke to Fred about this and, and um, you know, we, you know, it wasn't something that happened instantly, but um, over a, probably the next year, um, we we sort of um, built up the team, delivered on a few things that Fred wanted me to in on a kind of like, 1st of September 2013, I took the team that was the mobile development team in, in Betfred and, and turned into Degree 53 um, with nothing more than a contract to do, continue to do work for Betfred and a nice new shiny office for 70 people, uh, which I thought, wow, I'm definitely never going to fill this. And uh, it was so big, I had to sublet some of it out. Yeah, you know, I thought, you know, clearly I'm super smart, so I'll know how to run a business. Um, but you, you quickly learn that, you know, nothing about running a business. D despite the fact that, you know, I could write code, uh, I knew nothing about sales and marketing and, you know, account management and finance and commercials and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, a bit of a rude awakening, um, but we managed to turn Degree 53 into, a, into what I think was a pretty successful business. Clearly, yeah, because, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, recently sold, right? I mean, six, eight months ago? October, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. To um to Bally's Interactive, who who are American based company again, right? Um how how what what's that journey like? I think uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurs based in Manchester who are going through a similar sort of journey, probably where you were when you were um setting up degree fifty three, having those concerns around, okay, I mean we're going through it now. You 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 get you buy an office you're like, how am I gonna fill this? You get a bigger office, how am I gonna fill this? And all of a sudden you've got an American company tapping on the shoulder going, right, we'd like to we'd like to buy your business. What was that journey like? selling your, your baby basically probably not as glamorous as you probably think um, um I, I guess to the backstory of what where what happened was uh, like i said uh, we set up degree 53 and then we started on this side project to to uh do to, to build sharp gaming and, and what really happened was sharp gaming became such a beast you know it was like degree 53 was probably at its peak about 55 people um, sharp gaming is about 300 today. I was given, sort of had the choice between do I you know, continue running degree 53 or do I do try and do something much bigger in sharp gaming, but maybe w w do it with Fred and, and be part of that. And, and, and for me, having done um, degree 53 for, for five years and, and doing an agency, I, I loved it. But the constant sort of sales cycle wasn't something that I, I really got uh, excited about. So, you know, I like to build things. I like to um, build products and think about technical ideas about how you can apply technical solutions to businesses. And, um, you know, when you're running a business, you know, an agency, you should probably know it's, you know, there's a lot of it just about business development. And, um, you know, I never, I never got that kick out of, out of business development. You know, you know, I never felt like I wanted to get up and ring a bell when we got, we got, a, we got a sale, you know. So um, I decided to go and do sharp gaming. 
and Rich Wagstaff, who was my operations director um, for, um, for uh, who had worked with actually at IGT, worked with for many years. He worked with my IGT. He joined the Betfred team. He then uh, was with me in Degree 53. And, and he, he stepped up and to run Degree 53. He wanted to crack it in. And I was like, yeah, go for it. Me and Rich were talking about, you know, kind of like, what, what's, what's, our, what's the end goal for Degree 53? Because we've got, we'd created something where when we, when we first got started, it was like, we're, we're a mobile company. We're going to do, everyone, want, everyone needs mobile. Um, we, we've got, we, we've probably got the best source of people in Manchester to do this, right? What we sort of found was we, we'd got vast experience in one industry and we were, it was hard to break out of that. And we were spending a lot of time um, trying to break out of it. And we spent 80% of our time targeting 20% of our market. And um, that 20% of our market was Northwest big businesses. And then we realised 8% of our business was, was gambling. We, we were just getting that work for fun. So we sort of pivoted and just said, you know what, let's, we'll, we'll still do all the work, but we're not going to go out looking for that on, uh, and uh, actively market for it. And um, we, just, we just flipped into being um, focusing on the gambling industry. And the gambling industry is, is quite a niche. It's, it's big business, but it's quite niche. And um, we just found that we, we became a global player in that. Um, you know, we were, I believe, at the point of being um, being acquired, that we were the leading digital agency in the world globally. You know, in the last eighteen months, so of, of my ownership of Degree Fifty Three, we'd, we'd worked in Hong Kong, in in uh, various parts of Africa, throughout Europe, um, Australia. Um, We'd worked in Brazil, we'd worked in North America, the US and Canada, the Caribbean, we were working all over the place. So, you know, it was, um, we'd gone from kind of, be, which I thought was a real successful story because I think if we were looking at sort of other kind of like agencies in Manchester, then, you know, we had a massive global reach. Um, but, you know, at the gambling industry, it, it, is, it is quite niche. So. Um, we we were working with various people and, and what what's happened in 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 our industry is the us is started um, legislating gambling at state level so it's gone from years for the, for being sort of something that's you know in prohibition over there and then the supreme court turned it over and said no this isn't this isn't um, constitutional so state by state the gambling market in the us has been opening up and, and liberalizing and um what's happened is is there's obviously the the U.S. as a market is, is huge. Yeah. All the big U.S. companies, you know, the, the Caesars, MGM, the, the people you see on the Las Vegas Strip, they're the big players over there. And, you know, the, there's been a ma massive part of consolidation in, in our industry. So we saw that there was a potential for, for a sale because we've got this, we've got this, this team of people that are, that are experts in what they do uh, in an industry that is, is um, complex. And, um, you know, there's a global talent shortage of, of technical people. These companies were buying degree 53 is not going to be that big of a deal. It's probably some of it is a rounding error compared to these multi-billion dollar businesses. So we, we always knew there'd be, there'd be opportunities there. But, you know, when, you know, when we did have a few inquiries, but it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been right for the team. And it was because I wasn't going to go with, a, with any sale. I'd always say to Rich, well, are you going to want to work there? Because ultimately that's what it came down to and um a couple of people that rich spoke to said absolutely not so it, it didn't go anywhere and then um I, I guess you're not looking we weren't looking for anything we were just we had an unbelievable year in in you know 2020 to 21 
um, because obviously every every retail business was digitalizing. I guess like, like a lot of a lot of people, and um, somebody that I knew, one of my sort of people in my network, contacted me about um, a piece of work. Uh, they they just moved to uh, Bally's recently, and um, I put them in touch with with Rich, and then you know he met them, and a week later they said, yeah, I think they want to buy us. Um, so he met him, and it was just that you know a week later we were going through the the, the process. So a pretty smooth journey in comparison to what I'm sure a lot of other people go through. Yeah, I think so. We weren't we weren't looking for it, um, and uh, I guess it's always like you don't find love when you're not looking for it. It was that sort of so, that sort of story. But um, yeah, we were going through this kind of like massive sharp gaming was was my full time job. I was spending 150 percent of my time on that, sure. trying to make a success of that and and, and, the, and the wider Bedford group. And um, you know, I was also like working on this um, this acquisition is like in my spare time yeah. in my spare time um and uh, i guess you know how, how it sort of felt to me at the point of sale i was sat in a meeting when it all went through at work and some you know i don't know we've had some issue that I was dealing with uh and um, you know it's it so you know i guess whatever the only stuff that comes to the top are probably major issues so i was sat there dealing with a major issue and the um my solicitor rang us all so i answered the phone and he said yeah it's all gone through sort of smiled to myself and uh, then carried on sort of listening to these problems that these people had. And so, so it was a, it was a complete anticlimax if, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't kind of like, um, I guess some people sell the business and then the, the, the you know, the, the get a big check and then they can go and, you know, buy a Ferrari and go on holiday. I was, oh. I was working and I wouldn't have had that any other way to be honest with you. And, you know, you speak to a lot of people like that and just say, you know, it is it is an anticlimax, I guess. I think you, you kind of work for something for, for so long and then you get it and it's a bit like, yeah, what next? Was it, was it tough letting it go? No, not at all. Um, I think I'd moved on, I think, with, with you know, I'm today Sharp Gaming. Um, we really want to make make a success of that and, and really drive um, Betfred Group's business forward um, on a global scale. Um, and that's an, a new challenge. So I don't, um, no, I, I didn't let, have any qualms about letting it go. I, I liked um, Bally's and what they were trying to do. Uh, I liked the, the the team were bought into it. That mattered a lot to me because, you know, not just Rich, but other people had been there since the very start. If it wasn't right for them, then, I, you know, I think I'd feel a bit bad about that or maybe I wouldn't have even done it. They all seem happy. I think the business um, is, is going from strength to strength. Um, but yeah, I think you, you've, you've, you've got to look forward in life, haven't you? And think about what's next. And there's no point looking back because you can't, you can't do anything about that. Luckily, you were in a position there that you had a sharp game and that you were focused on anyway. And, um, and again, I, I think that's the next part of your very episodic, this, this, this talk was, you know, the next episode in your life series is sharp gaming, right? So Again, where did Shark Gaming come from as an idea and, and where is it now? Where it came from um, really was from Fred. By the way, what, what's Fred like? Fred's one of the best people you'll ever meet. He's, he, Fred's um, a bookmaker from Oddsall. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, but he's a, bil- and he's a billionaire. But, you know, he's, he's, he's somebody who's he's 78, 79, I think, actually. Wow. He's very humble, talks, talks to everyone. What you see, is what you get with him but he's just like 
so shrewd and he just he just sees all he sees all the angles and now you know he's he's in the business of weighing up odds and, yeah. and make you know going going with his gut and I think I read an interview of someone recently who'd worked with him and they said but he's also worked for various other entrepreneurs and um they said all these businesses I've ever worked in are all data dread all decisions are come from data apart from Fred who just goes with his gut so he's got a you know he's clearly got a very good gut he's not somebody who is a, a technologist so when I've got sort of technology problems, you know, he, he, he's not there for, to, to, to help me. I'm there to help him with, with that, you know, like, but what I learn from him is, is, is dealing with people. And, and um, you know, Fred's, Fred's someone that if he gives you his word, you don't, you know, he doesn't, you don't need a contract from him. He'll, he'll always follow through on it. And I think that's, that's really important to me, someone you can trust. Um, you know, he, he's got, no, you know, he's never got anything to hide and he's, you know, he's an open book. Um, which I think is refreshing for, for someone in, in, you know, who's achieved what he, he's achieved. Mm. You know, he's a, he's, he's a mentor. He's, he's, he's I, you know, I'd like to think of him as, him as a friend. You know, where you know, during the days of lockdown, we'd, we'd take our dogs out and, and walk, walk around Worsley Woods together and, um, you know, and, and talk about, you know, business, how things were going, but we'd talk about life as well. And I think, you know, if ever I speak to anybody who's just met Fred, you know, like a, I had someone in the office, um, you know, an account manager from a from a large uh, cloud provider recently, and um, they sort of said to me, "I saw I saw Fred in the lift. He uh, he he was with his dog." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, his dog just follows him everywhere he goes. Uh-huh. He's got he's got a great uh, retired greyhound." Of course, he'd have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I went out, and he, I went to Pratt, and he was in Pratt, and um, he, he let on to me because I think he'd seen me. It's like, yeah, he was shocked that you know, I guess you know uh, that he do that. And I'm like, no, this is you do you do that for anyone. He's not like there's no sort of as and as everyone calls him Fred. You know, like it's not, um, and he and he he speaks to everyone. So I think that's um, you know one of the one of his, uh, one of the many redeeming qualities he's got. Sure. But yeah, the idea from for sharp gaming. From a technology perspective, the gambling industry is really complex, right? Because a bookie's website, if you look at it, it's, it's sports betting and it's gaming, right? They're the sort of two, two main products, right? But gaming's, you know, it's casino, live casino, bingo, poker, and all this sort of stuff. And then sports betting is vast. A lot of people in that technology probably don't have an appreciation for, for what's going on under the hood. But I always say to people, that's like four or five other businesses in sort of people who we're competing with talent for, um, they've probably got one of them systems and we've got five of them. So let me give you an example. So we've got um, prob- like a really rigorous financial services platform because um, we're in a highly regulated market. We've got, uh, we're, gov- we're regulated by the, the, the government. We've got l- laws to adhere to, we've got gambling licenses. We've got to make sure that we've got full um, anti-money laundering processes know your customer, customer age verification. We've got to make sure that people are protected um, and, you know, can gamble in, in, a, in a safe manner. Um, and, you know, that, that platform that we've built is like as big, probably even bigger than a, a, your, your, bang, your banking application because we've got all payments, integrations and everything. So that's a, that's a really complex system. And then we take the gaming part. We've got um, integrations to all this gaming content, which, you know, there's, there's various gaming companies that would do that, but we've 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 got you know probably twelve uh, different gaming providers on on our uh, in, in our system, and then we've got our own games. So we're building our own games. We've got a whole platform for building for building games as well, and that that requires 
artists and mathematicians to come up with logic behind the games. And then you've got sports betting and sports betting is, 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 is a beast. So placing a bet, if you like that, is, is like an e-commerce site where you've got tons of options to place a bet and you put it into a, uh, your bet slip and you place it. But well, that's, not, that's not like a stock management system. That's a trading system off the back of it. So we've got a stock, like, you know, stock market system. So it's a hugely complex system. There's not many places you can actually go and buy one of these off the shelf because even though gambling is huge, huge industry, but there's it's a quite there's not there's not tons of businesses because it is it is big business right so you, there's not that many options to go and buy a system like this. So Betfred were on one and it was kind of falling behind in terms of its product and um, it it had been bought by um, a company and another company had then bought it and it was kind of seen as a bolt on product and it was it was falling behind the competitors. And there was only really one other place for Betfred to go in the UK at the time. Again, that was quite an old product as well. And not somewhere where, given the choice, you would go there because Bet all of, a lot of Betfred's competitors were on there. So if Betfred moved there, they'd just be one of many people. So Fred sort of said, couldn't Degree 53 build us a platform? And I said, well, we can, Fred, but it's going to be a big job and uh, cost a lot of money. And he said, well, I don't care. Can you do it? So, so we kind of started looking at how we would do it, and you know, I was thinking it's probably going to take about five years this, um, and cost many, many millions. Um, so, so Fred said, "Get on with it." And then we, um, as we were sort of doing it, we realised, look, if we're spending all this money doing it, um, why don't we create a business out of it? Because once we get Betfred on there, we'll better sell it all over the world. You know, we know the US is going to start opening up soon. They're going to need a platform. We could, again, you know, pie in the sky dreams. I could this this could be this could be a, um, my path to a fortune sort of thing. So we went down that road. It's been much much bigger job than I ever anticipated, um, and you know. I think when I first started, I probably thought I needed about 50 people or 40, 40 or 50 people. Like I say, there's about 300 of us now. Um, but along that journey, um, Fred sort of realised that this is going to be such a big thing for Betfred and what he what they want to do um, that he don't want to he don't want to share that with anyone else. He doesn't he doesn't need to make money off the back of um, Sharp Gaming. He's going to make more money and generate more value. On Betfred, which is his business, is you know it's it's Betfred that you know it's his, his uh, name's above the door, so you know, and um, it's not like he's um, short of a few quid. So you know that's that's where Sharp Gaming came from. So we went from kind of like being a project inside Degree Fifty Three to being a startup um, tech company to being basically being acquired by Betfred, and and today we we are in control of all of. Uh, the IT and technology for, for the Betfred group. Jeez, wow. Okay. So how, what was it like? So you, you, you begin this massive project, like you said, it's going to take five years, millions of pounds. First day on the job, what do you do? What's the, where do you start? Well, you start with planning. Um, and I think what kind of, uh, what I, what I know now is probably didn't start with enough planning. Um, because like I said, I thought it'd be 50 people. I thought it'd be easily done in five years and you know, we're, we're approaching five years now and you know, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get the, we'll get Betford on there this year. Um, but you know, it has been absolutely, absolutely mammoth. And I guess 
it's been, you know, uh, a really challenging journey. And there's a, lot, a lot's happened along the, along that way, um, to um, a lot of challenges. Mm. Um, and you know, I think when I ran degree fifty three, um, you know, I said, you know, you go in there thinking, you know, I'm super smart. I've got this opportunity. I've got this business. You know, I just want to be in a place where I'm on the golf course doing deals. Um, and I don't even play golf. So, I mean, I'd have to learn. I'd have to have a lot of spare time to even learn how to play golf. But obviously, y- y- you learn you learn what you don't know quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, and it, and it improves you as a person and, and, and as a professional. With Sharp, there's been, you know, so many big challenges, which, which I never foresaw, you know, um, COVID, you know, go into remote working, um, you know, trying to teach people um, the betting industry when you're not just sat next to them pointing things out anymore. You know, that's yeah. been a real challenge. But also, you know, getting the right people. Um, you know, there's, there, is, there is, like, what we're trying to do, n- not many people in the world have done it the way we've done it. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's, there was probably, you know, in hindsight, there'd be different ways of doing things now. But, um, you know, as, as you'll know from your, from your business, that, you know, there's a real ta- uh, lack of, of, of talent in, in, in the industry at the moment, and, and it's very competitive. Um, so, you know, it's, that's been a real, a real challenge to get the right people who can deliver us or can, who can work with me and be on this journey because it's, um, you know, it's, been a, it's, it's a big challenge and it continues to be. I'm a big believer that, um, you know, you only grow through, through, uh, through challenge and, and failure. What I should say is you, you learn the most through your failures because um, when you know everything's going well you think you're the king of the world yeah um, and you, you know you, you know you don't realize what you don't know and I think you know with, with Sharp we're trying to build something incredibly big and, and worthwhile for, for a huge business a successful UK, uh, Manchester business which is Betfred it's not really about what what happened on day one because day one was five years ago you know and um you know we we did we did so many different things buying technology you know going on a global tour looking for people who could work with us on this project that was kind of like stuff that happened in the early days and you know i was you know i remember one year we're doing about six, 60 to 80 flights all over the world i was um meeting different partners and everything and it was like sort of fantastic and remember like going to see a partner in lithuania and and taking me out tank driving and bought a car for me to run over with a tank, which was which was incredible. Nice. Yeah, so you know, and uh, it it was it was um, you know, in the early days, it felt like we, you know, we've got all, got this opportunity to do all this kind of like big thing, and you know, it's at that point you realise that actually what I've known from running a company of degree like degree fifty three, which is 50, 50 people or so running independent projects is, is different to, to running something on a, on a global scale um, for a huge business like, like that, Fred. And, you know, you've got a, you've always got to be self-awareness to, to know what you, what you don't know, I think. Yeah, he, he who knows everything knows nothing is always a famous thing. Um, wow. Yeah, and I think the reason I ask is because we, we've had a few things that, uh, recently and I've spoken to a few business owners who have these massive, massive projects, nothing the size of Shout Gaming, but have this big either problems to solve or solutions they're trying to deliver or whatever it might be. And it's always taking that first step. It's like, it's so, it can be so daunting. I know, you know, the way you devour a whale is one bite at a time and you have to take it bit by bit. But that's a really, really interesting way of putting it. Where you start is prep, you just prepare, plan. What my suggestion with, um, 
something like something like that. It's like, where do you start? Is you know, just just get started on yeah. something because um, you know the quicker that you you try something and either succeed or fail, you, you know you know you know you've st- you, you've made your first step. You know, like I'm really interested in like the concepts of lean and like you know there's a book called Lean Startup about you know t- you know test learn test learn, and you know the only way you're going to learn anything is by try something by doing something as cheaply and as quickly as possible to get that feedback mm-hmm. um, because um, you know that's the only way you can work in this sort of w- the world we live in because you know you, there's so many things there's so many opportunities for people out there um, but if you don't if you don't try it and don't have a go you, you're never gonna you're never gonna know are you yeah um, you know and you know according to the, the paper this morning there's the highest level of job vacancies that there ever has been so what's the worst that can happen if you fail? You go, you go and get a job. So we talked about <clears throat> your journey so far, where Sharp came from, where Sharp is now. What's the, what's the next year or two look like for Sharp and what, what are you trying to do with it? So we're, we're, we're going to get Betfred.com migrated onto our platform, which is, which is a huge, huge uh, undertaking. You know, we're, we're moving billions of transactions, millions of players and bets, and we've got to do that around the sporting calendar. Once Betfred.com's live, we're looking at kind of like international expansion. So with Betfred, I've got operations in Spain, in the US, in South Africa, and we're, we're looking to expand our platform so it's got a global reach. We're also looking at um, the retail offering, you know, Betfred.com, which is where we've been concentrating on, is a you know, successful online business, but Betfred's uh, retail business um, is, is phenomenal. You know, whenever you meet somebody in tech, you know, someone a bit like me, you, I guess, you know, like, you know, digital sort of native people, they think, oh, betting shops, that, that's not going anywhere. But, um, you know, it, they're absolutely phenomenally successful. You know, people people like that environment, um, you know, it, it's something where it needs to evolve and adapt and technology is, is, is part of that. Um, you know, you see what's happened in like McDonald's, for example, in terms of like, you know, um, you know, he's gone from, you know, having to queue up for ages to ask someone to, you know, take the gherkin off the burger and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, you can now, you know, most most of McDonald's business is going through the the, 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 the touch screens. Um, you know, they've only got, I believe, one person serving now at McDonald's. Wow. And that's driven revenue up. Um, and there's all types of opportunities. So how does technology drive the physical world uh, for us in, in, the, uh, in the betting shops? Um, and you know, uh, so that's something that we're looking at as well. But some of these projects that we're looking at, you know, are two or three years. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're looking, saying, right, this is, you know, this is a project. It's going to be take us two to three years, probably three years. We're probably going to need 50, 60 more people. Um, where do we get those people from? How do we build uh, the infrastructure for those people? And when I say fifty people, actually, I'm thinking fifty, de- fifty developers and testers. Mm-hmm. And off the back of that, you need. Project, product product owners, managers, DevOps people. And, you know, it's that's the real challenge, I think, in anybody's technology business. Any business that uses uses technology, which I think nearly all of them do today, is where do we where do we get the, the people from? And um, that, that's, you know, that's what's, I think, holding back um, a lot of businesses that I speak to is, is the, the ability to build um, a technology uh, function. That, that is literally it. You said about the vacancies before, the, the amount of vacancies that are available right now. Uh, do you, I, I'm interested, do you, do you have any views on how businesses can overcome that? 
Or have you, have you tried anything out? Well, that'd be telling, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, true, uh, but, true. <laughs> no, I, th I think it's it's a real challenge. Um, you know, I speak to people all over the world, and it's no different here than it is in Silicon Valley, or in Australia, or in Europe, or Canada. Um, you know, there's just not enough people. Um, you know, it, mobile really changed it because mobile meant technology was very accessible, mm -hmm. and from that, the pandemic has digitalized everything you know like um and and you know every business that was that was still i guess still very much in the physical world had to digitalize so we're just not educating enough people i don't think in in in, in the skills that that we need um or maybe it's not seen as a as a an attractive place to work but for people when they're at school but like for me it's like i've got i think eight or nine GCSEs, that's the only qualifications I've got, you know, and uh, I think tech, uh, technology is, is an area where your qualifications don't really count for, for much because every every year things are changing and you just got to be, you just got to be a problem solver and, um, you know, um, use your intellect to, to learn what these things are and, you know, you can earn, you can earn a lot of money. Mm -hmm. A graduate developer earns a lot more than a graduate accountant and, you know, they've probably been, have to do you know another five years worth of training off the back of that if you're trying to build a team is you have to kind of like make sure that you've got um an attractive place to work um attractive problems for people to solve um you've got to be prepared to pay for it um but i think you know when what we're looking at is is we have to look at where where in the world can we get this tap this people this people and you know we've got people globally you know, these challenges with with hiring globally you know you know and, and the, the issues in in ukraine the, the war in ukraine has, has affected everything because you know it, U, ukraine is was one of the biggest places in europe for for tech talent and, and, and businesses outsourcing to there so that's had a knock-on effect as well so it's, it's it's a it's a challenging time um but you know that's what you, that's what we're here to to try and overcome i guess big a big lesson there is just because i don't think anyone really has the answer right I like the having interesting problems for people to solve. That's that's great. But I think what you what you were talking about there then as, as well was just being flexible in terms of your approach. Try things out, kind of like the, the lean kind of startup what you were talking about before. Try things out. If it doesn't work, okay, let's change, let's pivot, let's, you know, being agile like that and not just being stuck in your ways. And again, talking about failure and talking about testing things and, th and, and uh, things failing and things not working and learning from your mistakes. I always like to ask the question, when, I'm sure you've got many, because oh, I asked you this question before and you were like, oh yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> I've got plenty. Um, when was the time you really royally fluffed up and what did you learn from it? I think the thing that sticks in my, in my memory the most, the thing mm. where I learned the most, um, and I think it was like a coming of age story, um, and it, at the, in, in, in the terms of scales of, you know, stuff that I've done since, it's probably kind of, um, it's probably not that big of a deal, but when I was, a developer, um, I ran a script on the production database, which um, deleted the production database. Um, and uh, it took me a few hours to get it back up. And, um, you know, we're out of, we're out of business for, for a couple of hours. That day I learned how to be um, diligent yes. um, and to test things properly. 
Um, and that, I think up to, up till then, that was the worst I'd ever felt in the professional environment. You know, and a lot, lots, lots happened since. You know, you're running businesses and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I've, I've probably made much more, much more uh, financially uh, um, costly mistakes since then. But that to me was something that always sort of stuck with me, um, where no, no one even really told me off because they knew that I knew. Um, and um, that was something that always sticks with me, um, which, you know, that would be uh, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made, question in an interview. Um, but then maybe I should be thinking thinking more that, you know, maybe I'm not a developer anymore. Like, you know, I think on, you know, sharp planning and um, was the, the issue, the biggest issue I got, uh, I got wrong is that, you know, I thought I knew how to, to build a massive system mm -hmm. because I've built systems before. Um, but I didn't, um, you know, and that and that's um, meant that the journey's been uh, more turbulent than uh, I would have liked. But I think, you know, the one that the one that sticks in me is dropping that database because it, it was the it was one of them where you kind of like you knew instantly what had happened, um, and they was sort of had to rebuild it all, and um, yeah, it was a bad day. Did you shout it out? No, I did, no, I, I, I don't. I can't remember being shouted at. I think uh, I just knew. Uh, I, I knew in myself how bad it was. Oh God! Um, and um, it was one of them where you know, going back to this thing about kind of like you don't know your own limitations uh -huh. until something like that happens. And I, you know, and I learned that I wasn't. I was being. I was. I was too carefree, and it and it cost me, and it cost the business. And um, you know, for me, like technology. I've always viewed technology as something that enables business. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, technology for technology's sake. It's not that kind of like, how, not how I see the world. Um, and the fact that the business was impacted by something that I did um, was something that scarred me. In a good, you know, in a good way. But you, again, you were talking about earlier preparation, diligence. So just being, not being careless, being careful and making sure that you got all the information before moving ahead with a big situation big yeah. yeah okay that makes sense if you had to recommend one book what would you recommend and why uh start with why okay simon um, cynic yeah so i just think it's it's um it's just inspirational mm -hmm. but it's very easy it's a sort of book you can like i think i read it in a day it's just straight through it mm -hmm. and I, I i read a lot and so that one sticks in my memory um, I think you should always look, read as much as you can and, and try to expand your mind and get new different concepts. Um, but from a business perspective, I think that's that's really interesting. And I guess I think the, the second one would be if someone's trying to learn, launch a business with technology, read The Lean Startup. Wonderful. Well, look, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Any business owners or um, startups in Manchester are looking to scale the business and perhaps one day sell it, will learn a lot from this conversation, I assume. Um, don't delete the don't delete the database. Um, <laughs> but, um, but no, thanks for coming on, and uh, and yeah, looking forward to seeing where Sharp is in the next two years. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. <laughs>